0: What's up, y'all, and welcome to Through the Veil podcast. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and in today's episode, we are going to be digging into my ayahuasca experience, where I spent three nights taking the psychedelic plant medicine ayahuasca. It's a very interesting one. It was a crazy, crazy experience for me, so I hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy the episode, please give me a five-star rating here on iTunes or on Spotify, and uh, subscribe to the channel so that you can get these podcasts right as they come out. And if you have a friend who you think would enjoy this content, please share it out. It really helps to grow the channel. Without any further ado, let's dive right in. All right, so let's talk about ayahuasca. So for those of you that are not familiar with ayahuasca, it is a psychedelic plant medicine uh, used primarily in the Amazon, Peru, Ecuador, around that area, Uh, commonly used in a shamanic ceremonial setting. Uh, So what most people use it for is as a tool to sort of be the catalyst for self-improvement helping to heal old traumas that someone may have helping to work on kind of becoming the best version of yourself and you know digging up your own bullshit that you may be dealing with and working through it in a very productive way it is a psychedelics that means it is a very visual hallucinogen so um, basically you can see any number of things while you've ingested the substance it is a uh, drank In the uh ceremonial preparation the traditional preparation it's a combination of two or more plants uh primarily the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna bush shrub um those two are kind of boiled down together and made into this thick kind of gross nasty brew that you actually drink um and it becomes active while in your stomach so it's a very very interesting thing uh i went and did it recently about three months ago at this point uh down in california Uh, i live in minnesota for those of you that don't know and it was an amazing experience um i would say hands down it was one of the top three most life-changing experiences that i've had um it's not to say everyone will have that exact experience but i think a lot of people end up having very very positive experiences where they really learn a lot about themselves and kind of work through a lot of their own stuff. Um, So yeah, I'll kind of jump right into the story and talk about, you know, how it went and what I saw and things I learned about myself and things I learned, um, you know, about others around me and kind of what it was, what it was like as a whole experience. So something I've uh, thought about doing for a very long time and I've kind of hesitated on probably in large part due to just trepidation, you know, there's a certain sense of fear of if your purpose and things that you want to work on are laid clear in front of you, then it becomes very scary to actually go do that because all of a sudden it's like, okay, here's the metric by which you either fail or succeed. And when it's clear to you, you know, it's a little bit easier for most people, and myself included, to live unconsciously. If you don't have to think about your goals, then you don't know if you're failing at your goals. Uh, So I've had some fear built up around it for quite a while, but finally I broke through that and scheduled a trip down to California, uh, where the retreat that I was at was held. Um, It is technically legal in California. It's covered under a sort of religious uh, loophole, essentially. Uh, They say that it's a, you know, religious ceremony, so it kind of falls under the same loophole that if someone uh, is Catholic or Christian and they drink wine, uh, then that kind of falls into that same loophole where it's like, okay, it's communion, they're drinking wine, it's part of the ritual of this religion. Um, So it is technically legal in California, uh, which definitely helped to kind of make me a little bit less fearful about the getting arrested aspect of it, um, which I think most people would have some concern about. I did a lot of research about it beforehand. and kind of knew the do's and don'ts of the plant medicine itself. Uh, You know, some of the things to be careful of if you're out there thinking about going to do this after you hear my story. Uh, If you are on any SSRIs or antidepressants, that is pretty much a big no-no for taking ayahuasca. So you have to get off of those. And of course, you know, I don't want to be seen as giving medical advice to anyone about doing that. So it's kind of something that you'd have to either consult with your doctor on or work through on your own um, to go do it. But, you know, there's lots of health stipulations that you need to be very aware of before you go make the decision to do this. That being said, so on the whole, it was a super, super positive experience. I'll kind of start off the story. You know, we arrived down in L.A., me and my girlfriend, um, and drove about two hours out of L.A. up into a mountain that's nearby. Um, It's kind of a cool path up the mountain, winding road back and forth, switchbacks going up the side of the mountain, these giant boulders, old giant sequoia trees, so really a pretty scenic and idyllic amazing area for us to actually be having the ceremony. The uh, ceremonial hut, when we arrived there, um, pretty far away from any main roads, you know, it's probably about 30 to 45 minutes off the main road when we actually did finally get there. Um, It was an old repurposed Girl Scout camp. So that was definitely funny to me. The irony was not lost um, that we were going to do this intense psychedelic experience at a Girl Scout camp. Um, no girl scouts there actively while we were there actually taking the taking the medicine but it was funny nonetheless so we arrived and kind of got settled in uh the main room of the girl scout camp was this large overarching uh structure that had room for about 35 people that were actually there um so we all had our own mat you can think of maybe about a, a six by six by two you know yoga mat type of situation um that everyone had to lay on. They were all packed right next to each other. So there's not a lot of privacy. There's not a lot of laying, you know, in your own bed or in your own area. Um, it was all very communal, which is good and bad, I would say. Um it was definitely a blessing in that it gave us a lot of sense of community by being around each other constantly. And it was a bit of a curse in that it could be a little bit distracting. You know, if someone was having a particularly difficult trip uh you'd sometimes get distracted by the fact that they were over there having a more difficult trip Uh, especially in one instance we will get to a little bit later in the story but you know me and my girlfriend set all of our stuff down we kind of met some of the facilitators uh including the lady that actually you know was putting on this entire retreat Um, and then we kind of started to settle in so we wandered around the camp a little bit and uh you know, pretty promptly, considering the beautiful scenery around us, we decided to get into a minor argument, so that was funny, in a way, funny now, let's say, um, primarily that was due to just a lack of me listening, which is definitely one of my one of my major weak points, I'm not the best listener in the world, some I actively work on, but anyways, we get into a minor argument, which is a little bit of foreshadowing for what my trip would be like that night, um, so now I'm going to kind of reference my notes as we go through here uh, just to make sure I'm actually hitting all the high points of the different things that went on you know kind of the cool experience that it was I don't want to miss anything so basically at the time where we had arrived it was about 4 p.m. Um, so once we had gotten fully settled in you know a couple hours passed by and then about uh, about 9 p.m. or so it was time for the ceremony to actually begin so we all gathered in the ceremonial hut. Uh, it's called a Maloca traditionally. Um, however, this was just the Girl Scout Lodge, but we're in the Maloca and we all gather around and the main lady who was leading the retreat kind of walked us through what to expect. She introduced us to the two shamans who are actually from Colombia. Um, they spoke you know, no English, essentially, uh, all Spanish, but we had some translators on hand to kind of bridge the gap there. Um, And it was really kind of a cool experience. You know, she walked us through exactly what to expect, you know, some different things that may come up for each of us and sort of the procedure of what what we should be doing after we consume the plant medicine. Um, Before, though, we actually were treated to another plant medicine called RAPE, spelled R-A-P-E, but with a little thing above the E. Uh, So not the other version of RAPE as it is otherwise spelled uh but we took some of that and that is actually a a tobacco powder that is blown up the nose um it's kind of a it's mixed with pure tobacco and it kind of they puff it directly up your nose and then it kind of goes in through your air system um and kind of you breathe it in a little bit um it's uh the powder itself burns a ton it is very uncomfortable but it sort of has the result of just relaxing you and kind of pairing you into a meditative state where you feel energized but very relaxed. Um, so it was kind of cool for that, that it helped calm the jitters that everyone was sort of feeling, you know, anticipation about doing the ayahuasca that night and kind of getting into the full experience. Um, so then we kind of sat and everyone sat with their intentions. Uh, one of the main Features of an ayahuasca ceremony um, is kind of thinking about what your intention is for the ceremony, learning, you know, sitting there and kind of focusing on what you want to get out of the ceremony and the things that you want to work on personally. So we kind of sat there, uh, you know, meditated a bit, thought about what I wanted to learn there. Um, My main intention personally was to figure out what I'm meant to do here on this earth, kind of get some clarity about how I'm supposed to proceed through my life, you know. Now that I'm 28, uh, it was sort of a landmark year for me in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of things I still want to figure out personally about how I can move forward and live the most fulfilled life that I believe I should. So about about an hour after we took the raw pay, it was time to drink the first cup of ayahuasca. So kind of with no small amount of trepidation and anxiety, I walked up to the shaman. Uh, He kind of gave me a look up and down, kind of went, okay, here's how much I think you should have. Um, went ahead and poured that amount into a cup, and I put the cups to my lips and drank it down. It was a very thick brew. Uh, you can think kind of like a smoothie consistency. Uh, it tasted kind of like a, almost like a burnt coffee mixed with green smoothie. It was very earthy. Uh, a lot of people report that it's really gross. I didn't find it to be that gross, at least the first uh, first time drinking it. I think what happens there a lot of times is people get nauseous after they drink it, and so they kind of associate that nauseousness with the taste of the ayahuasca. um, Kind of the same way that you might drink, you know, if you drink too much uh, alcohol one night of a certain type, let's say tequila, then all of a sudden you can't drink tequila anymore because you associate it with how much you threw up. Anyways, so, went up, I drank the cup, and I'm, you know, feeling very very anxious, but I kind of sat down, um, and then I went and laid fully on my mat. Uh, I did have an eye mask and earplugs with me in case I needed them, uh, kind of to block out some of the external stimuli, so I could be, you know, more focused on the experience specifically. Um, so the ayahuasca kind of began to work quickly, um, especially because I had a relatively empty stomach. Um, it sort of felt similar to psilocybin mushrooms uh, that I've taken in the past, psychedelic mushrooms as of their own. Um, It had kind of came on first feeling in my body, kind of like a best way to describe it would be a slight vibration in my body and a warmth spreading throughout my entire body. Um, You know, it kind of started to progress with some fractal visuals up on the ceiling of the building. You know, you kind of see the ceiling swirling a little bit and see some shapes being formed. and then I kind of started to think about my earlier argument with my girlfriend. So kind of crystal clear. And one of the hallmarks of ayahuasca, and I think one of the things I experienced and got the most out of, is that it really feels like you're getting this information from somewhere outside of yourself. Now, whether or not that's actually the case is totally up for debate. And I honestly don't have a real personal opinion one way or the other. And I don't think it especially matters. You know, it could be that some higher power is giving you this divine message that you need or it could just be that you're absolutely tripping balls and that's you know that's fine too i think the thing that matters is that if you get the message through and you actually make an improvement based off of that message then the value is there whichever whichever circumstance is actually taking place so you know right away i'm thinking about my earlier argument with my girlfriend and i kind of just had a crystal clear intuition let's call it that I need to fix my ability to be able to listen to others. Um, I'm definitely not good at listening to people. It's something that I have to work on. Uh, I love talking, which is you know, egocentric of me for sure. Um, I enjoy being the smart one in the room, so I enjoy being able to talk more because I think it presents more of my smartness. Um, but that's kind of the uh, thing that I try not to do as much anymore. I try to listen better to people When they're talking uh so you know that intuition came through pretty damn clear um directly following that i sort of had a vision of my lips being torn off of my body and my skin kind of falling away Uh, and that sort of to me was just a visual representation of the fact that i need to listen more and talk less Um, so after a brief pause on the visions after that i sort of had a intuition that i need to be more open and friendly with people that i don't know I think oftentimes if I'm out somewhere, let's say at a bar, I tend to just stick to my own group and I don't really want to go out and talk to anyone new um, just because it gives me a little bit of anxiety, honestly. So I sort of just got the feeling and the message that, hey, you need to be a little more open with people. If you're more open with others, then that improves my ability to actually help others um, in the full capacity that's possible. So... Then, you know, a little bit later in the ceremony, um, it was time for the second cup of ayahuasca. So during the ceremony, everyone has the option to drink really almost as many times as they want um, within reason. Uh, So a couple hours after we drank the first cup, you have the option to then have another cup. Uh, Considering my sort of personal history of always trying to fix myself by adding more and more and more of something. So, you know. If I'm getting a little bit drunk, I'm getting a lot drunk because, well, if I feel a little bit good off of drinking some alcohol, what if I feel a lot good? Um, So considering that history and sort of the addictive nature of my own personality, I chose not to have the second cup. I felt like it was important for me to sort of not just try to layer more of the actual plant medicine on top of the messages I had already gotten, which were already very productive for me. So... I just kind of relaxed um, around 2 a.m., give or take, and all these times are just kind of, you know, you don't have a real good sense of time when you've taken ayahuasca, so these are just generally when I think it might have been, but who knows? could have been 1 a.m., could have been midnight, whatever. Um, I took sort of a couple 10 to 15-minute naps between about 2 a.m. up until maybe 3 or 4, I'm guessing um and then it was time for the healing ceremony so the healing ceremony is where the two shamans they actually would take the chacruna leaves and shake them um and you'd be sitting up front with them in a half circle they called them up called us up in a couple different groups um so the shaman and the wife and his wife uh, who is the other shaman who was working with us uh began to sing their songs um, of healing which is kind of cool you know it's all in spanish so i understood none of it um which actually probably made it better because then i wasn't attaching to the words i was just getting the sort of vibe of what they were singing um, and you know sort of the beating of a drum uh, was kind of sweeping me away into a bit of a trance state uh, the main shaman began to shake the screen leaves all over our bodies and the ender- energy in the room you could really feel it start to just swirl and you know whether that was an effect of the drug or what was actually happening it's hard to say but it you could definitely, it was a palpable feeling in the air of just buzzing of energy and just the swirling of that energy. Um, Felt an extreme amount of energy in my body, you know, kind of an overwhelming joy was just in my body. And I can kind of even thinking back on it now, it's like, I can kind of feel it in my body. It was just a overwhelming sense of everything's going to be okay. And everything is amazing right now. And how lucky I am to be here having this experience. Um, After that, you know, Honestly my back started to hurt and I was sitting on a bench and we'd been sitting up for quite a while at that point and I was kind of ready to go lay down so the healing ceremony finished up uh, and I just kind of went back and laid down on my bed, eventually falling asleep to just sort of the soft beating of the drums and the shamans kind of singing to each other. So that kind of wrapped up the first night. Um, In the experience we went and did, Uh, we actually were going to do three ceremonies throughout the course of three consecutive nights. It's a pretty aggressive schedule. Um, however, we were only there for three nights, so that's the way it went. Uh, a lot of, a lot of ceremonies will be spread over the course of maybe ten days, and they'll do four ceremonies. Um, you know, with a day in between each one to integrate. Um, however, this was a very, very constrained schedule, which was good, um, good, and also bad in a multitude of different ways. So, I slept from a. So, basically, we stayed up through the morning uh, after I kind of, like, nodded in and out of sleep, you know, 15 minutes here and there. Finally, the sun's coming up. Uh, So, we kind of all sat around and talked about our experiences a little bit. Uh, We had some breakfast around maybe 10 a.m. And then right around 2 p.m., I finally went and I just found a good spot, you know, over in a little, uh, there's a little hut off to the side that I went and just laid down in and slept from 2 p.m. till about 7 p.m. Um, so finally I awoke after that long nap, let's call it. Uh, and I felt like I was absolutely bursting with energy. Literally, you know, I jumped out of bed and threw my contacts in and I'm just like absolutely jazzed up, ready to go run a marathon or go, go hit the Muay Thai bag or something. Um, so I cleaned myself up and I headed into the building to sit down on my mat, uh, this evening we're offered our option of either taking the rapé from the night before or taking a new different medicine called mambe Uh, the mambe was actually a two-part medicine so the first part was a paste made from tobacco uh, mixed with salt and herbs Uh, those sort of mixed together to make this weird thick paste that was applied onto the side of your hand uh, so you just lick it as you went Um, the second part of the medicine there was a a bit of pure powdered cacao now don't think like chocolate because that's not what it was it's cacao as in the stuff that cocaine originally comes from so it has a very energizing effect uh, it's nowhere near that level of potency of course and it is it is uh technically legal um, because it is not the distilled drug form um, however it does have a very energizing sort of social effect um So you kind of had the cacao inside of your cheek and you'd kind of suck on that. You'd lick the mambe and kind of between the two of those, you basically would feel feel an extremely warm sense of energized sociability. You wanted to talk to people around you and you felt very kind and like you wanted to share with them, Um, which honestly was awesome for this experience. It maybe wasn't the perfect thing for the meditative state you'd probably want to be in prior to ayahuasca, but it was really, really good for integrating with the other people in the group and kind of getting to talk to them um, and really really wanting to socialize and not be in your shell especially for me that was important so uh, kind of talked to a couple of the other guys that were sitting around um, and then it was about an hour later that it was time for the second ayahuasca ceremony so the shaman uh, first asked hey who wants a larger cup of the ayahuasca than last night you know who maybe didn't get everything they wanted out of the experience and i was feeling very ready to go take a much larger cup a much larger dose than i had the night before so went ahead and stood up and said yep i'm ready let's get a let's get after it tonight uh the cup was probably about two to three times as large as the night before so little bit of trepidation on my part again as i'm drinking down you know originally the first night is essentially one gulp of the liquid and this night it was two to three good full gulps that i was putting down so i kind of laid back down on my mat similar to the first night and prepared for the journey ahead Uh, same as the night before i felt the ayahuasca in my body first spreading sort of warmth and vibration uh, is the best way to describe it and a lot of this stuff words just don't do it full justice uh, after a little bit, visions start to begin, so I'd set my intention for the night to sort of meet and dance with my own death. Um, I wanted to integrate what I think most people are scared of, which is their own death. And basically, I had set my intention to go as deep as possible. So I had my eye mask on, I had my earplugs in, so I was fully cut off from the area around me and the ayahuasca really did not disappoint Uh, right away i was provided with crystal clear answers to my questions of my purpose Um, basically the sort of thing that came through to me was that i'm uniquely fitted for the purpose that i am here for um, which in my you know my own thought process and my own opinion is to help heal others to help work with others to help them improve, to help them set goals, to help them become the best versions of themselves. And through doing that, kind of be the candle that can light many candles um, and really help to facilitate a kinder and better world, um, to put it succinctly. So I got sort of crystal clear intuition on that. Like, yes, that is what you're supposed to be doing. That is, you are on the right track there, which was, honestly, it was just such a relief and it just felt amazing that I was knowing My purpose clearly, and not there was no question in my mind, oh, should I be doing this? Is this the right thing? It was just crystal clear. This is what you're meant to be doing. Keep going that direction. So kind of then it listed through some of the qualities that I have. Um, I won't go through them all right now, but you know, kind of went, hey, you know, you're good at this, you're good at this, you're good at this, you're good at this. This is why you're uniquely fitted to the task that you want to work on. Um so after that, um Kind of a, I was absolutely sort of, best way to describe it, my whole body felt like it was on fire in a positive way with energy, just confidence and feeling good about myself and feeling like, yes, I'm here for a reason and that reason is important and I want to be as of service as I can to others. Um, So kind of glowing from that experience, then all of a sudden I was ready to face my own death. Um, I sort of internally asked ayahuasca. Um, commonly referred to as mother ayahuasca Uh, I asked mother ayahuasca can I you know can you facilitate me speaking with my own death and this is where things got pretty intense so I go internally I'm going hey mother ayahuasca can I meet my own death and so the answer I got back was okay but you're on your own for this and I kind of went Ooh, all right oh shit here we go so i accepted and i said yes okay let's do this and almost immediately i felt like i got hit in the face twice just kind of like a one-two combo to the face um and then looking right in front of me there is a manifestation of death itself so think kind of grim reaper um and you could really the defining character sequence that i could really feel coming off of uh what looked like the grim reaper that that was death it was a very it's hard to put into words it was a very palpable feeling off of death that yes that is death that is the end of life right there um so essentially i was squaring up with death it was like all right come on death let's fucking go let's do this and very quickly i realized that that was not going to be a productive strategy for dealing with my own death you know fighting with it was not the way to go so kind of I relaxed and I began to just pull death in close and go hey we don't need to battle this out and sort of embraced my own death both you know visually I was seeing myself kind of hugging it out with my own death which was just an interesting visual on many levels Um, and kind of just accepting that my own death is with me always you know you don't know when you're going to go and so it's better to just be accepting of that fact and be close with the fact that you may die at any time you don't know what's going to happen and kind of just pulled death into an embrace um then you know it was sort of a silly funny visual which i think is sort of making light of the fact that we're going to die um just seeing myself dancing with death you know spinning around pirouetting death around and spinning around myself which is just kind of a uh, a very interesting thing and i think on many levels it affected me pretty deeply because it allowed me to have a clear vivid image of myself dealing with my own death and not just in words but actually the image in my head of me having dealt with my own death um it was an absolutely freeing moment you know i felt like it was the other half of me um because you know as life is one half death is the other half. So, felt like I was really integrating the other half of who I am both as a human and as just a life form in general. Um so, following this, things kind of took on a seductive sexual turn, uh which was super interesting. So, the thing to remember here is we are laying in a room and there are 35 people and everyone is laying around in the same room and everyone's kind of moaning and you know, they're kind of just laying there some people are throwing up i personally didn't feel super nauseous um throughout the whole trip but a lot of people are throwing up um all over the place you know in bags in a bucket in the middle of the room you know some people are having hard difficult trips uh some people are kind of having a great time of things um so all of a sudden the sort of i could feel things become very seductive very sexual uh i'd really really vivid sexual images of myself with women and just kind of seeing myself in very very compromising positions let's say um sort of it was a combination of feeling really really inappropriate because it was a very very sexy thing and it was very like exciting to me um but at the same time I'm on some level aware hey I'm in a room full of people right now who are all laying around here and kind of being in this exact state is in a way inappropriate um so I kind of I kind of started to realize that this explicit sort of fantasizing was the medicine kind of helping me to reconcile my repressed masculinity. Um, I think, speaking personally, I've had instances in the past where I just feel like it's not okay for me to fully express who I am as a man. Um, And I've kind of repressed some of that because it's like, you know, whatever part of me that learned when I was a kid or when I was younger that it's like, oh, it's not okay to express sexual interest in someone, you know, when done in a non-creepy way and, you know, when respecting the other person, there's nothing wrong with expressing that you're interested in someone. So this kind of helped me to integrate the two together where it was kind of like, okay, you know, here's this explicit fantasizing that's going on but also here i'm in this sort of public space where it's totally not appropriate to be having that type of fantasy going on um and it kind of helped me to get a, get rid of some of the shame that it seems like it had built up internally um so that was kind of cool it was definitely a uh, mother ayahuasca was sort of helping me reclaim a part of myself as a man that i had previously lost and i kind of felt the difference right away and it felt felt good. I felt like, okay, that's a part of myself that had been locked away, and it wasn't available to me, and now it is. Uh, So after that, uh, there's a more somber moment. Uh, There's a brief, but very vivid image of both my parents just laying dead, um, their faces completely white, you know, as if they had just passed away. Um, The message there was just clear. It was, hey, I'm not going to have forever to spend with my parents, and I should really cherish the time that I do have, to spend with them. Um, It's important that I get to see them as much as I can, especially since I live very close to them, and just how much I do actually love them and want to spend time with them, um, because eventually will be their time to go. Um, So the visions after that started to come a little more sparsely. Uh, It's more reflection on how listening is sort of the most important thing for me, and one of the things I am quite bad at very often. both both listening to others and listening to myself, that internal voice that kind of tells you when you're doing something wrong or you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, Other than that, so I had just kind of a cool visual that didn't really have a lot to it. You know, I saw myself morph into a mountain lion and kind of stalk around the room we were in. Um, Don't have any reasoning for that or what that exactly means, uh, but that was cool. Uh, It was definitely kind of a... Exciting thing to be is oh, okay, cool. I'm a mountain line. This is badass. That if we have a lot of mountain lines in California, so maybe it was some subconscious knowing that mountain lines exist in that area, and so I turned it into a mountain line. Whatever the case was, it was pretty cool. So then, you know, around uh, 2 a.m. give or take, uh, they had already called earlier for the other ayahuasca cup. I chose not to take it again just because I was already tripping very hard, so I did not need to go in for that second dose um me and my girlfriend actually went outside and laid out on the ground and just kind of talked a bit and kind of talked about our experience a little bit and just really felt how good it felt to just lay there and hold each other because um, that was really the first time we had slept not right next to each other in months almost a full year up to that point so it was kind of cool to just be laying outside under the stars it was a beautiful night it was 80 degrees you know perfect weather no not a cloud in the sky and we're just laying together staring up at the stars and just kind of relaxing and feeling how good it really felt to hold each other like that um after that we kind of went back into the ceremony space and i dozed in and out of sleep until the sun rose so that's the end of night two and then we move on to night three so Same type of thing, I slept through a good part of the day, Uh, we kind of had some breakfast and talked a little bit about our experiences, and I went and dozed off a bit more, kind of woke up. Um, One of the interesting things about ayahuasca is it definitely doesn't, uh, you definitely don't need to sleep as much, you know, I was getting away with four to five hours of sleep a night, um, depending on which night it was, night, it was daytime. which normally I need a full eight hours to feel good, at least seven and a half at a minimum. But, you know, I felt plenty awake, so that was interesting. Um, so I began the night three. Uh, I took some rapé that night um, instead of the Mambé. Uh, however, this was different and stronger rapé, and it, it really knocked me on my ass right away. So immediately I was feeling super, super dizzy. Uh, I returned to my mat, and I was laying down, and I was just feeling just absolutely nauseous and like crap. Um, to the point where I was even thinking, like, I'm not going to go drink ayahuasca after feeling this shitty. I'm just going to take the night off uh, and not drink this night. And I know some other people had actually made that decision uh, earlier on that they were not going to drink a third night because they'd had, uh, you know, difficult experiences where they were puking a ton the first two nights. So, uh, you know, without almost a full hour to go until the ceremony, I did have, actually have some time to recover and once uh once the shaman called up any of the men who didn't feel like they got a strong enough dose uh the previous two nights um i waited to get a regular dose i didn't want to go all in i felt like i'd gotten a ton out of night two and you know really can't ask for much more than that so i just kind of said hey i'll take a normal dose it's not a don't need to try and go even deeper than that uh so i kind of elected to wait until he called up the second group of group of the guys and you know the shaman handed me the same murky brown brew that we'd had the previous nights and I drank it down, and I went and laid back down on my mat. So, for the uh, first hour and a half to two hours, I really kind of just laid there, and I didn't really have much visuals. I just kind of struggled, and just laying there, feeling a little sick, and just feeling kind of like shit. Uh, Didn't need to throw up, but definitely considered a couple points, just because I was feeling so sort of uncomfortable that it began me thinking like oh maybe i should just throw up and i'll feel better um however one of the things you want to try to do is hold the medicine in for as long as you can um if you are feeling nauseous because if you just puke it up right away then you're not going to get any of the benefit it's not going to fully absorb into your system so i had that in mind i go i'm not going to go throw it up i'm just gonna i'm gonna hold on i'm gonna deal with this uncomfortable feeling um and I wasn't entirely sure, you know, if that was just a lingering effect from the raw pay that I took earlier that made me feel so crappy or if that was actually the ayahuasca. But I sort of didn't really have any visuals, didn't have any messages. You know, I thought a little bit more about listening being important, but I didn't really get much from that either, um, besides just reiteration of the previous night's messages. So around what I guess to be about midnight, um, a lady over in the corner started crying. And I'll try, you know, I'm going to use... I'll probably just use fake names here because I don't want to call anyone out for the exciting part that's about to happen after this. Um, so lady's over in the corner crying, and she's kind of just deeply sobbing, sort of sobbing from her soul. You know, it's just absolutely you can hear that her whole body's shaking with each sob. Um so the female shaman goes over to her and starts to comfort her, starts to sing some songs of healing, and all of a sudden, behind me. I hear a fellow that we will call Steve, let's say, Steve, um, who previously, you know, the previous two days has sort of been providing a, uh, let's say very egotistical worldview, um, you know, very full of himself and as someone who considers themselves to be often full of themselves and often egotistical when I notice that in someone else, then that's saying a lot. So that, uh, that fellow, Steve, he, uh, you could hear him start to breathe really deep and really loud and kind of boisterously, almost like he was trying to take the attention off of the woman who was sitting there and sobbing deeply as if, you know, he needed to be the center of attention. You know, he her, oh, oh, And he's just absolutely just causing a scene, essentially. Uh, So one of the facilitators uh, of the facility kind of went over and asked if he was okay. And then he just started repeating, I must do this, I must do this, I must do this, I must do this. And so I'm immediately on high alert going, all right, that's fucking weird. I need to see what is going on here. So I kind of sit myself into a little bit of a half crouch, halfway sitting up, you know, not trying to mess with anyone else's trip but i do want to be ready in case anything weird happens and you know there are plenty of facilitators there so no one was in any real danger of anything but it is good to just be prepared and it helps me feel at ease so i kind of sit up and he's repeating i must do this i must do this in a super low demonic sounding voice which is interesting to say the least um and some of the facilitators kind of asked him like hey you know can you go outside, you know, if you're feeling like this, can you please go outside, you're disturbing some of the other people who are around, and he kind of, no, no I cannot, and we're like, okay, well, interesting, Um, the facilitators kind of leave him alone, he kind of stops talking for a little bit, and then all of a sudden he gets up, and I see him out of the corner of my eye, and this guy was very tall, you know, I'm 6'3", but he was probably about 6'5", 6'6", 210, 215 pounds, so a big dude um, walks over, and is standing at the foot of the mat from a another woman that was there. Uh, so we'll call her we'll call her Susan. So Steve is sitting there at the foot of the mat of Susan, and he, in a very loud voice, goes, "I have a message for you." And at this point, I am just on all, <laughs> I am on high alert. I am like, some shit is about to go down. Something weird is gonna happen. I need to be fully ready to react, both to protect myself protect the other people in the room and to protect my girlfriend who is laying a little ways away from me. So Steve goes, I have a message for you to Susan. Susan stands up and she is like, Steve, you know, get on your knees. Get away from my mat. And Steve's like, No, I have a message for you. And we're, you know, at this point I'm just like, what the hell is going on? What the fuck? And Susan goes, Steve, when you are in the presence of a goddess, you must kneel. And I'm just like, holy shit, what is, what is going on? Come on, you guys. Uh, Steve goes, well, I I am a god. I do not need to kneel. I have a message for you. And so they're kind of battling it out back and forth. They're standing just like chest to chest almost. And I'm like, is there about to be a fight? Like, what's about to happen? Is this six foot five, six foot six guy about to just like punch this woman in the face? Like, what's going on? And I'm you know flabbergasted at this point to say the least um, some of the shamans come over and they start to talk to the people there and kind of calm try to calm them down and kind of you know ask steve hey can you go outside can you leave the area can you at least get away from susan's mat uh, so we're not just combating right there and he kind of goes no i can stand wherever i want and at this point I'm starting to play through scenarios in my head, going, okay, if I need to rear naked choke this guy, I'm gonna need this angle, and I'll get behind him from here, and then I'll be able to actually choke him out, and we'll all be okay, and then whatever needs to happen after that will be fine. But I'm kind of planning my angles of attack here, and I'm kind of perched in a ready position, because I'm just going, okay, he's not only interfering with someone else's trip, but he's refusing to listen to the actual shamans and the facilitators of the retreat. Uh, so this could get really, really hairy in a very, very short amount of time. So the shaman's try to talk to, him a little more, talk to him a little more, and Steve just kind of stands there. No, you can't tell me what to do. I'm big, I'm strong, and I can do whatever I want. And we're kind of all just like, you can feel the whole room is kind of just on edge, just staring over at this, going, what the hell is going on? So we all kind of sit there and the shamans eventually just kind of go okay and they're just standing there and eventually they walk away so it doesn't seem like he's gonna do anything and they actually asked susan hey susan can you come up to the front with us instead just so at least she's not right there standing in front of steve uh kind of it wasn't uh, by no means was this instance her fault for sure um but she wasn't making the problem any better Uh, by still being standing there and kind of trying to like stare him down and intimidate him back Uh, so she agrees and goes up to the front with the two shamans and the facilitators and that kind of helped soothe the situation a little bit steve finally goes back and sits down and then you know 20 30 minutes later he goes up and asks to see if he can have another cup of ayahuasca and I'm just in my head going, no, 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 this guy does not need any more. Like, he's already fucking freaking out based off of the couple cups he had earlier. He does not need more. Please don't give him any more. Uh, Luckily, the shaman, the main shaman, he very, very deftly had a little sleight of hand where he just said, no, we're all out. You know, there isn't any left since this is the last night. We have used it all up now, which I thought was super genius because if he... If you had denied him, if he had just said, no, you can't have any more, specifically you, I think things could have gotten very hairy again. But, you know, just saying there wasn't any more made it, hey, it's not my fault. You can't have some. There just isn't any more. So everything kind of calms down finally. And, you know, I'm at one point just perched over my girlfriend kind of just sitting. So she's behind me so that she feels safe in case anything happens. And just kind of, kind of playing that protector role and just feeling, okay, if anything happens I'm just ready you know if I need to stay up for the night that that's what I need to do but I need to make sure that everyone's gonna be okay here because um, I was you know probably the only other guy there above six foot so I'm kind of feeling a responsibility like, all right well someone's gonna have to step up and I have some training in this type of thing so I guess I should be the person who needs to be ready um, so you know the kind of the rest of the night you know nothing more really happened Too severe um, things calm down and then we get to the morning um, and then we're having sort of the final wrap-up meeting of the actual ayahuasca ceremony, and we're kind of all integrating our experiences. And the the head facilitator there was kind of talking about what happened last night. You know, obviously a lot of people were very upset. Some of the women were crying during the experience, um, just from sort of the fear that was being put into them. So the head facilitator kind of talked about it, and you know, Steve's still in the room for this, of course. So we're kind of Talking and he goes, Hey, well, I'd like to say something. And she kinda goes, No, no, you get to talk last. Everyone else can talk first about their experience because we don't need any more of you right now. Um so Susan actually talks and she kinda goes, Yeah, you know, at no point was I in fear. I thought everything was fine. And it's like, All right, that's cool. Good, nice, all right, right on. Um, and then Steve gets his turn to talk and he's just kind of you know, he starts out by going, Hey, you know, I'm really sorry about last night uh i do apologize deeply for what i did uh and then he kind of just takes a side tangent where all of a sudden instead of apologizing he is talking about how he too is a shaman and sort of it was interesting for me because i was watching him and i could kind of see him auger in on just like wanting to apologize but then his ego kind of took hold and he had sort of an ego possession where he's just like Ah yes but let's make this about me and how I'm important so he starts talking about how he's a shaman and how he you know he's sorry that this happened but it wasn't really his fault because he was being he was channeling a great spirit and that you know he truly believes that it was important for his message to get across and that it you know sorry but not sorry essentially so at this point I'm basically just like so pissed off I'm just like shaking um, my girlfriend's actually like, like, sitting next to me and she's kind of like holding a hand on me kind of going are you okay because I'm just pissed like I don't one thing I don't enjoy is when someone gives a disingenuous apology it's like alright if you're going to be disingenuous with your apology just fucking don't apologize at all there's no point in trying to pretend like you're being really sorry if you aren't actually sorry so I raise my hand <laughs> like I'm ready to talk I've got something to say um, so it finally gets to my turn to talk. And the first thing I want to do is sort of express to the women in the group and, you know, how proud I was. A lot of them, a lot of them, when they had their chance to talk, really expressed like, Hey, you know, that was really difficult, but I'm overcoming it because now I know that I'm, you know, I feel really safe by the people around here. And, you know, I knew that this was just part of my journey and as part of my growth and, I just thought it was super awesome that all of them were having this, like turning this objective negative into a positive and sort of turning it into a, yeah, well, this was a trial that we went through, but now the rest of us, Steve, notwithstanding are closer together as a group because we had to go through this. And I just thought that was fucking awesome. So I said, so I kind of expressed like, Hey, you know, just amazingly proud of all the women in this group who were able to just take this negative and turn it into a positive. And, uh, I think that resonated well with the room, Um, also because I didn't, you know, one thing I was thinking internally was I don't want to start this off by talking about the guy who clearly needs all this attention, being Steve, um, because it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. It seemed like the right thing to do to acknowledge the women in the room for just stepping into their power instead of what could have very easily been a traumatizing experience. Um, You know, empathetically, I can only imagine that. I would, as them, feel very, very scared and could very easily be, you know, in a place where you expect to be perfectly safe and it's supposed to be this healing, amazing experience. You know, some people have their family members with them. There's one one woman who was with her mom there and it's like, you're supposed to be in this safe amazing space where you're going to learn and grow and all of a sudden you're being intimidated by this giant dude who you don't know what's going to happen next so I was just thoroughly impressed that they were taking that negative and turning it into a positive because you know just thinking about it from my perspective I saw how that very easily could have been a further traumatizing event that would have taken someone from what should have been a safe beautiful space to a now just negative space and ruined the whole experience for them so I expressed that and just thought that it was amazing and then i went to address steve and i kind of just said steve dude come on like if you're going to apologize don't turn your apology into a story about how you are also a shaman and how you are this amazing light unto the world and you're here to do this this and this it's like you're just you just apologize but then you turned it into a story about how awesome you are and that's not a real apology and he kind of went like okay well can you give me a specific example and i kind of just said. Yeah, for example, you started talking about how you were chosen to be a shaman right after you apologized, that's not a real apology, and then at that point, you know, the facilitator sort of went, yep, alright, anyway, Steve, we've had enough of you talking, let's just cut it there, and you can kind of see that the room was kind of calmed down, and it was like, okay, we feel like, I felt like the important thing for myself was that I knew a lot of people in the room were thinking what I had to vocalize, um, because they were feeling the same thing I was, which was this person is deeply in their ego, and they're not able to see it, so that, you know, it was what it was, but it really felt like my lesson from the second night about my own masculinity and sort of stepping into that uh, really helped me out here, because I don't think, you know, prior to that lesson, I don't know if I would have said anything, I probably would have just justified and said, eh, doesn't matter, never going to see that guy again, doesn't matter if I say something, I don't need to be the one to speak up. But, you know, feeling more a part of my own masculinity, I really did feel like it was my responsibility to be the person who would say, hey, bullshit, dude, you're not actually sorry. You need to step up and do better. Both because I think it was important for the room to hear um, so they all didn't feel like they were individually feeling a certain way and no one was supporting them in that. But also because I think it was important for him to hear that, hey, that's not good enough. You got to do better than that. Um, I think a lot of times we... Go through our life without really getting it that sort of stark honesty from someone. And when we don't get that stark honesty, it can be really easy to convince yourself that everything you're doing is right and that things are great and you're perfect. And it's just not the case. Um, So that kind of wrapped up the ceremony. Um, I talked to a few of the people after and just really was able to share with them some of the things I had experienced and they were able to share with me. Overall, it was a beautiful experience. Um, I think the main things I really gained uh, from the experience was just that purpose that sense of clarity on my purpose uh, just feeling a lot less fear in general you know before this I I would just struggle with like working on a goal for a couple months and then just falling apart on working about on it because I just get scared that I was moving too quickly in the direction that I'm supposed to be moving uh, because it you know in all honesty it is it's a scary thing it's like here's what I'm here and I'm supposed to do. And it's really scary because if I try to do it, but then I fail, then I look like a failure. Um, so it really helped to kind of keep that fear out of my mind. And I just felt in general for the couple, you know, since that experience three, three and a half months ago now, I've just felt much more relaxed, much more at ease with myself and much more taken much more clear steps towards my purpose and towards what I want to do. So it kind of wraps up the experience. Uh, Ayahuasca is definitely a powerful psychedelic. So I don't, I don't recommend that people take it lightheartedly. Uh, It's not something you could obviously use recreationally. It kind of incapacitates you to an extent, you know, you're tripping so hard and you're visual, you know, visually you're not seeing what's really there. You're seeing kind of whatever visuals you may be seeing and your body is sort of just a little bit weak and you're kind of just laying there kind of relaxed and, you know, nauseous. A lot of people are throwing up. Um, it's definitely a very, very powerful psychedelic. So I don't, re- I don't recommend people just going to take it on a whim. I think you should only really go to take it if you feel like you've been called to go take it. Um, and what I mean by that is essentially just if you really feel ready and really feel like I'm ready to take a step forward in my life and just do something to sort of bring my ego to heal and kind of make yourself actually have a true experience of both who you are without ego um, but also to get feedback on where you've been applying ego in your life that you're not able to see clearly Um, I think it's really great for that and I think it's really really awesome uh, thing for people to do if they have a a trauma in their past they need to work through because it kind of provides a very clear perspective on that trauma and sort of helps you know there's more and more research coming out on this now but these sort of psychedelic experiences are really really they uh, they increase the plasticity in your blo- in your brain is the best way to put it they allow you to reform neural pathways or form new neural pathways which allows you to get out of these old habit and thought patterns that may have been formed by a trauma that doesn't serve you anymore so i think it was an absolutely beautiful experience you know i will definitely do it again in my lifetime it's something i don't recommend lightly but I do definitely recommend that someone does their own research and finds a good facility and can go and do it with a lot of thought and intention behind it Uh, in terms of finding a good facility I highly recommend there's a website called AYA advisor Uh, it's kinda like TripAdvisor for ayahuasca retreats Uh, it has a rating system on it so you can kinda see what other people are saying about an ayahuasca retreat Um, I also recommend just talking to someone personally and you know, if you know someone who's gone and done it, get their recommendation, um, especially for women going to do it. I would just recommend finding a very safe place to do it. Uh, if you can find a retreat that's in the U.S., that's a lot safer. Um, if a little bit less authentic, let's call it, it's a little bit less traditional, but it's a lot safer because you're going to still be in the U.S. rather than going down to Peru or going down to Ecuador where you don't know fully what to expect. Uh, however, if that is what calls you, go with a friend, have someone go with you so that it's not just one of you by yourself uh, going down to this retreat in the middle of the Amazon somewhere. Um, Other than that, I mean, I think it's really important to find a shaman and a facilitator of the retreat that actually vibes with you well. You know, you don't want to go somewhere where there's just some creepy dude just giving the medicine willy-nilly with very little experience. You want to go somewhere where someone who has your best intentions at heart is performing the ceremony, because it makes a huge difference. yeah other than that that's sort of my ayahuasca story and kind of what I experienced and you know please feel free to reach out and ask me questions and I'll be more than happy to answer them because it definitely was a life-changing experience for me and something I want to share with people and have them experience the same thing if that's what speaks to them so thanks for watching and appreciate it so thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed that episode Ayahuasca was definitely a game changer for me personally, and if you're someone who feels called to go do the medicine, I think it can really have a very positive impact when used in the correct way. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving me a five-star rating on iTunes, uh, hitting that subscribe button so you get the new episodes as they come out, and share this with a friend. Uh, If you know someone who's been thinking about doing ayahuasca and wants to hear a little bit more about it, you can share this out to them and they can get a little more inside info. But yeah, I appreciate you listening and look forward for the next week's episode that will be coming up.